Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome Kathleen McNamara, Senior Municipal Strategist for the Americas, as well as Sangita Marfadia, Senior Closed and Fund Strategist for the Americas, both with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Kathleen, Sangita, thank you for dropping by, spending some time with our listeners, our clients. Looking forward to our conversation. Thanks so much for having us, Dan. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. I know the focus of our conversation today will be on the most recent municipal market guide, which, by the way, for our listeners, our clients, is available for you now up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Within, the publication does spend time on closed-end funds, and we will get to that with Sangita a bit later in the conversation. Though, Kathleen, when we last spoke at this point, it's going back about a month ago, Muties had come off what was a strong performance showing for the month of July. So how has Muni performance, Kathleen, fared in recent weeks? Now we're just about at the late point of August. And why do you believe fund flows have been mixed as you cited uh, within the latest municipal market guide? That's right, Dan. I mean, in July, Muni's bounced back, and that was following a period of large losses of about 9% that we saw in the first half of the year. Tax-exempt municipal bonds registered strong returns of close to 3% in the space of only four weeks. We saw reinvestment demand outpace the supply of new issues, and that provided some technical support for a market that was in need of a positive catalyst. Since then, however, the constructive impact seen from these favorable supply-demand dynamics has waned. At the same time, market participants are uncertain whether the Federal Reserve can orchestrate a notoriously difficult soft landing rather than trigger a recession. This uncertainty has prompted some volatility within the municipal bond market. As a consequence, while net cash outflows to muni mutual funds had finally reversed for one week in mid-July and again in the early part of August, the pace of inflows has once again slowed. And on a month-to-date basis, munis have now lost 1.6% in total return. That said, by comparison, munis have held up better than their taxable fixed income counterparts, which have registered steeper losses of about 2% for the same time frame. So Kathleen, on a going forward basis, we're recording on August 24th, though we know how influential the Fed has been to market activity this year. We have the Jackson Hole Symposium coming up, as well as the September Fed meeting. With those headwinds in mind, perhaps, what's your near-term performance outlook for munis? Sure, Dan. I mean, in the near term, we expect the market technicals to pivot in September. The heavy pace of municipal bond redemptions is anticipated to diminish to only about $20 billion, and that is down from $47 billion in August, and this represents another headwind for the market. On the bright side, we would view any uptick in supply as a chance to source bonds to meet specific investment mandates. Some large New York-based issuers were in the market this week, as an example. At the same time, um, inflation prints, and certainly, as you just mentioned, the Fed and recession risks all remain on our radar for the balance of the year. And in the very near term, we do anticipate about the volatility in the border rates market to spill over and impact munis in that September and October time frame. Considering recent performance, Kathleen, coupled with what lies ahead, your outlook, both you just shared with us, maybe we could talk about positioning within the asset class a bit. On a monthly basis, you do highlight some themes within the beauty market guide uh, that readers may consider. What are some portfolio themes you could share with us for this month, Kathleen? 
Sure, Dan. In this month's report, we discussed two portfolio themes for municipal bond investors. The first is to consider cross-asset alternatives along the curve. You know, bear in mind that the front part of the curve, muni yields have become very expensive relative to taxable debt through mid-August. And as a result, taxable debt was the better choice in the very early maturities, even after adjusting for taxes, as we show in our chart in that report. Over the past week, however, yields on short-dated munis did readjust higher and now offer fair value compared to taxable bonds. Thus, we remind our investors that it's always important to continue to keep tabs on these relationships. Against that backdrop, we believe positioning in short-dated bonds for liquidity and reinvestment opportunities, along with an allocation to longer-dated tax-exempt paper with high coupons for incremental tax-free income, is prudent amid continued market volatility. As a point of reference, the after-tax yield pickup on AA munis versus investment-grade corporate debt with the same ratings in that 12-year to 20-year area ranges from 75 basis points to as much as 90 basis points. And premium bonds can offer greater price protection than par or discount bonds during periods of rising rates. Thank you, Kathleen, for the guidance on positioning. So switching over to the Spotlight article within the Muni Market Guide, Sangeeta, I do want to welcome you into the conversation as the Spotlight article does discuss closed-end funds and how rising rates impacts distributions and what we should expect for the rest of the year. So Sangeeta, what can you share with us from this month's Spotlight article? Sure, Dan. Thanks for having me. We know that investors buy closed-end funds for income, and one of the main concerns right now in a rising rate environment is distribution cuts. We want to remind everyone that closed-end funds do use leverage, meaning they borrow money on short, using short-term rates and then invest at higher rates. The difference that they earn on this gets passed on to the closed-end fund investor in the form of a higher distribution. However, Given the increases that we've seen this year by the Fed, this has led to increase in borrowing costs for closed-end funds as well. This puts pressure on the earnings of the fund, and as a result, some of the funds that we cover have started to cut their distribution. So far this year, roughly half of the funds in coverage shippers have cut their distributions. The range from 4% to as much as 20%. When we take a look at our universe, the entire universe, on average, the distribution cuts have been about 12%. Takeaway here is we want to avoid funds which will have larger cuts. Our analysis also showed that larger the cut, bigger the stock price decline. Hence, we believe when it comes to distribution cuts, size does matter. For rest of the year, we probably will see more distribution cuts depending on what what Fed will do in September and perhaps uh, later this year. We want to remind everyone that closed-end funds still pay more than what you would earn perhaps on a single muni bond, open-end funds, or ETFs. Of course, all of this comes with higher risk and higher volatility. In the report that Dan mentioned, we also looked at the taxable equivalent yields on national and also New York, California state funds. As an example, for someone in the highest tax bracket, national leverage fund taxable equivalent yield would be roughly 8.5%. If we also take into account average state tax rate, then that taxable equivalent yield is closer to 9.5%. Switching over to the states, 
we know California and New York being two of the higher in state income tax rates. For California residents, buying a California Muni Closed-End Fund taxable equivalent yield would be closer to 10%. So bottom line, taxable equivalent yields are attractive at this level. Yes, we may see some more distribution cuts. However, we want to remind everyone closed-end funds should be bought as a long-term investment, and we have to sometimes ignore some of the volatility that comes in the marketplace and be aware that we will see some smaller cuts, which is a given based on the fact where interest rates are. With that, I can turn it back to you. Thank you, Sangeeta. I do want to point out to our listeners and readers of the publication, the Spotlight article does begin on page 7, so do encourage our readers to read further into Sangeeta's closed-end fund review, the Spotlight from this month's Meaning Market Guide. Though, Kathleen, Sangeeta, thank you both for spending some time with our listeners, our clients here on top of the morning for uh, the update on closed-end funds, the broader beauty market, and looking forward to picking back up with our conversation next month. Thanks so much for having us, Dan. Thank you, Dan. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.